This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Your hands together and give a rousing welcome to Pat Hannigan as she comes and shares with us from God's Word this morning. Thank you, Pat. Bless you. But I want you to do something for me, please, before I start. I want you all to look to your left. Now to your right. Now to your left. Now to your right. Have you done it? Okay, because I'm not going to move. So your neck's going to have a rest today. (laughs) Okay. Right. It's a little bit like following Emily here because I'm going to do back to basic. Although, I must say, this was prepared about two and a half to three years ago. So really, she followed me. (laughs) (coughs) Okay. The title of today's message is Forgiveness from a Tender-Hearted God. I've got three points, maybe four, and those points are not going to come up on the screen because I know that you're going to know exactly where they come without being told. But they are disobedience, mercy, obedience, and the last one, sulking. (laughs) Okay. Right. Um, Karis. Would you pray for me, please, so the Lord would just bless this word? Thank you. Father God, I pray for Pat. I pray for what is you've given her, God, and what is on her heart this morning, God. I pray that when she preaches, God, that it is just from your heart completely, God. I pray that we would just absolutely open our hearts this morning, God, to receive from you, Father God. And I just pray that any nerves that she may have, Father God, that you would just take that away, God, and that you would just bless the words that come out of her mouth, God. We thank you for her. We thank you that she has got this, God. We thank you that she's prepared it and is prepared to deliver it, God, on such a scary platform, Father God. But we just thank you, God, and we just absolutely honour your word and we just pray that we would just absolutely just be so attentive to it this morning father god amen Amen. thank you can you turn um if you've got a bible with you to nahum chapter three it's not often um preached nahum and yet it's very much connected well it's the total connection of the today's message Woe to the bloody city. It is full of lies and robbery. Its victims never depart. The noise of a whip, the noise of rattling wheels, of galloping horses, of clattering chariots. Horsemen charged with bright sword and glittering spear. There's a multitude of slain, a great number of bodies, countless corpses. They stumble over the corpses because of the multitude of harlotries of the seductive harlot, the mistress of sorceries, who sells nations through her sorceries and harlotries, and families through her sorceries. Behold, I am against you, says the Lord of hosts. 
I will lift your skirts over your face. I will show the nations your nakedness and the kingdoms your shame. I will cast abominable filth upon you. I will make you vile and make you a spectacle. It shall come to pass that all who look upon you will flee from you and say, Nineveh is laid waste. Who will bemoan her? Where shall I seek comforters for you? Your injury has no healing. Your wound is severe. All who hear news of you will clap their hands over you. For upon whom has not your wickedness passed continually? That's just a few of the verses that describe Nineveh. Keep that in mind as we look at the man that God has lined up to send there. Would you want to go there? I know I wouldn't. But you notice God didn't ask for volunteers. He chose someone. In the book of Jonah, God asked the prophet to go and preach in Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria, one of the worst, most oppressive empires in the ancient Near East. Jonah's attitude towards God's call was basically, no way, Jose. No way am I going to feel compassion for those heathens in Nineveh. And Jonah refused to go. He was indignant that God should even consider those wicked people. I think he was also very afraid of what the people would do to him. But God was not going to let Jonah off the hook and ends up teaching him a great lesson and us. The book of Jonah tells us that our God is not limited to just us, the believers. Our God is a God of love and mercy, yeah. is loving and kind towards the whole world, even the bad guys, because he is a tender-hearted God. We read in the first few verses of the book that Jonah has a problem of disobedience. He was privileged to receive a call direct from God, Go to Nineveh and preach against its wickedness. We've read in Nahum just how wicked Nineveh was. And the book of the prophet Nahum is entitled An Oracle Concerning Nineveh. The entire book is a vision that Nahum had concerning the destruction of Nineveh. It concludes in chapter 319. Everyone who hears the news about you claps their hands at your fall. For who has not felt your endless cruelty? And now Jonah is being called to prophesy against one of ancient Israel's worst ever enemies. But he's not going. He runs away from the Lord and goes down to Tarshish. Tarshish was way west of Israel in the general area of Spain. God wanted him to go east to Nineveh. But Jonah took off in the opposite direction. We're not told right away why Jonah ran away. It wasn't just because he was afraid of the people, but something much worse. Later, Jonah says that the reason he ran away was, wait for it, he was afraid that God would not destroy Nineveh, that even this terrible oppressor might repent and find mercy with God, something Jonah couldn't accept. So Jonah responded by opting out. He simply refused God's call and ran away from the Lord. 
When God calls you for a specific task, he means you. Not you, or you, but you. Have you ever tried running away from God? Where would you go? Psalm 139, verses 7 to 8. Where can I flee from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Jonah obviously didn't know this, but he was soon to experience that truth. Some years ago, travelling back from England, we stopped at our normal um, motorway stop for refreshments. And as usual, after our food and drink, we went into the shop. It was in the queue and a coachload of young 18, 20 year old Jewish young people came in and some of them came into the shop. Two of the girls, young women, were behind us in the queue and they were talking about they couldn't find um, films for their camera. John overheard them and said, oh, they're there, they're the films. Very politely they were, and they said, oh, thank you very much. At that moment, God spoke to me and said, tell them I love them. Um, Pardon? Tell them I love them. But Lord, I'm in the queue, I'm in the shop. We're just coming up to the till, it's our turn to get served now. And... The two people in front of us got served and I was there and the next thing we were paying and we went out. I went to the toilet, the disabled toilet, as I needed to go. I was in there and I, if I'd have been on my knees, I would have been on my knees because I said, Lord, I've blown it. I'm so sorry. I'm disobedient. Where can I run to? You're here. And I said, give me another chance. (laughs) Be careful what you pray for. I opened the door, and guess who was outside the door? The very same two young women. They had no reason to be there. The disabled toilet was separate from the other toilets. But there they were. So, after taking a big gulp, I said, did you find your films? Oh, yes, thank you very much. I said, can I tell you something? Yes. I said, Jesus loves you so much. Oh, we don't believe in all that stuff. And they walked away. And I thought, how sad. But at the same time, I thought, I'd done as I was asked. It was up to God now. And over the years, I've prayed for those two. And they must have thought this strange woman, you know, telling them this thing that they didn't believe. But hey-ho, I had told them I had done my job. So the Lord turned Jonah every way but loose. God simply would not let Jonah go. But he still tried and he went down to Tarshish, got on a ship that was going west. He went below deck and went to sleep. The Lord sent a great wind on the sea, causing a violent storm. You know the story. 
The sailors on the ship were decent, God-fearing people. He each cried out to his own God, while Jonah slept through the storm, down in the bottom of the ship. The captain finally wakes Jonah up and tells him to pray to his God. It soon became clear that Jonah's rebelliousness caused the storm, and he offers to be thrown overboard. The sailors, being moral people, didn't want to do that, but quickly realised that they had no choice. Jonah knew he was guilty and was ready to accept God's punishment. A coward at the start, Jonah was now ready to die to save others. But he didn't jump overboard. Perhaps he was hoping that the sea would become calm at his offer. Words are not enough. They must also be followed by action. So the sailors threw him overboard and the sea immediately became calm. One night here, Wednesday night prayer meeting, God spoke to us. The most challenging part of what he said for me, and not for the first time either, was to get out of the boat. As I took this on board, excuse the pun, I realised if God wants you and you alone and you don't get out of the boat, he will use someone or something to push you out. Jonah was hesitant, so the sailors threw him overboard and he went down, down to the bottom of the sea. Excuse me while I wet my whistle. (coughs) On deck, the sailors greatly feared Jonah's God and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. In spite of Jonah's rebelliousness, God used him to help the sailors, those outsiders, encounter God. God responds graciously even to the Gentile sailors. That's our God, a God of mercy, a tender-hearted God. Back to Jonah. God knew in advance what was going to happen, and he provided a large fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah doesn't drown as he thinks he's going to, but he's saved from death and is given another chance to do God's will. Praise him for second chances. He had rejected God's call and run away, but God didn't write him off. God pursued Jonah, chastised him with the storm and with being tossed in the sea and by being swallowed by the fish. Now, some people find it hard to believe a person could live in the belly of a fish. We call it a whale because it's the biggest fish we know. But it was a fish that God provided for that moment in time, a miracle fish. It could have been even larger than a whale, we don't know. But we do know that our God is a God of miracles. Nowhere could be more lower or darker or more frightening than being in the belly of a giant fish. But he had gone down to Tarshish, down to the bottom of the ship, and down to the bottom of the sea. He must have been feeling very down, but it was alive. The revelation of that must have caused him to turn to the Lord again, as he cried to the Lord.
said, In my distress I called the Lord. And he answered me, From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, to the earth beneath barred me in forever, but you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, you, your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the great grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah was in the fish for three days and nights. It must have been on the third day that Jonah prayed that prayer because it seemed immediately that the Lord commanded the fish to spit him up on the shore. That itself was a miracle to have a fish the size of a whale or bigger so near the beach. After all his running and the near-death experience, Jonah turns again to the Lord. He recognizes God's mercy for him and an individual as an individual and he trusts him. So God gives him another chance. The word of the Lord came to him a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to the people the message I give you. This time Jonah obeys. He goes to Nineveh and preaches what God told him. Forty more days and Nineveh will be destroyed. Jonah's unwillingness to go to Nineveh was based on his fear that the Ninevites might actually repent. And if they did, the Lord who Jonah knows as gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity might actually respond to the Ninevites' repentance by withholding destruction. Jonah hated the Ninevites too much to want that to happen. Jonah knew God's mercy, but where was his? Just as Jonah feared, the Ninevites did repent. They believed God and declared a fast. All of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Somehow God's message broke through to them, moving them to repentance, even as Jonah, God's messenger, desired their destruction. The godless Ninevites, the focus of evil in the world, indeed the evil empire of the time, was not beyond the pale. They were not outside the merciful care of God. Also, as Jonah had feared, where God saw what the Ninevites did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. The purpose of the threat of destruction was that the Ninevites might repent. It was never inevitable that they would be destroyed. 
the door was always open, a crack. Should they repent? And that same door is open today for us, our unsaved family and friends. The Ninevites did repent and God showed them mercy. Amazingly enough, Jonah's response was to get ticked off. He was greatly displeased and became angry. This is particularly amazing since very recently Jonah himself had received God's mercy himself. He had been cast off the ship to certain death and God had miraculously rescued him and given him a second chance. Jonah fails to see that mercy for me implies mercy for everyone. Jonah actually no more deserved salvation than did the Ninevites. Jonah did not really want God to act consistently with God being a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. He hoped that God was actually an angry God, a God who delights in punishing God's supposed enemies. But that kind of God would have been a projection of Jonah's own hatred and desires. The true God is not after some kind of eye-to-eye punishment, where every sin merits equally severe punishment. Rather, the true God desires healing, restoration of relationships, and genuine peace. The true God had compassion on the tens of thousands of Ninevites. He desires that they be freed from their bondage to sin and death because he is a tender-hearted God. The book ends with God asking Jonah a question, one that remains the same for us. Should I not be concerned about that great city? That is, should the mercy I've given you not extend to your enemies? Should the mercy I've given you not extend to the bad guys? Today there are still many bad guys, who need to repent and receive God's mercy. Nineveh repents and Jonah does not. He's too proud to. God's mercy demands that we who have received it as good news be changed by it. That we who are loved by God in turn love like God loves. In the word for today, the 25th of July, I don't know what year that was, but it was about two years ago, the heading was, Don't Lose Your Compassionate Edge. I quote, Jesus went looking for the leper, the loser, the lonely, the lost, and the lowest in society. And he was comfortable around them. Are you? It continues, serving others is good for your health. A survey conducted at 44 major universities reveals that giving protects your overall health twice as much as an aspirin protects your heart against disease. Dr. Stephen Post, who conducted the survey, says, Giving is the most potent force on the planet and will protect your whole life. The benefits of compassion to your physical health are so strong that if compassion wasn't free, pharmaceutical companies would herald a stupendous new drug called Give Back instead of Prozac. There is an ah, but. 
God has terms and conditions. In the Lord's Prayer, we say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. It's a two-way thing. We will be forgiven to the degree that we forgive others. If God can forgive those dreadful Ninevites, how much is he going to forgive us? Colossians 3.12 You are the people of God. He loved you and chose you for his own. So then you must clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Be tolerant with one another and forgive one another. Whenever any of you has a complaint against someone else, you must forgive one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you. And to all these qualities add love, which binds all things together in perfect unity. For those who find it hard to forgive, spiritual amnesia takes over and becomes the forgettable sin. But for our tender-hearted God, it is unforgettable. Jesus is very clear in Luke 17:3. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in one day, and each time he comes to you and says, I repent, you must forgive him. Matthew 6:14. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And in verse 15, But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's a bit scary, that. Matthew 5, 7 Blessed are the merciful, for they should obtain mercy. Holding a grudge doesn't make you strong. It makes you bitter. Forgiving doesn't make you weak. It makes you free. There's an old saying that comes to mind. We get as good as we give. Makes you think, doesn't it? Last week, we spoke about, or we sang about, um, standing faultless before the throne. I don't know where this fits in with this. If we have unforgiveness in our heart, we can't be faultless. Think about it. I'd like to finish with um, a beautiful song that is one of my favourites and it, it just fits in, well, the message sort of comes from the, the words of this song. So please enjoy it.
This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.